Hello and welcome to the Six Sales podcast. This is Mike Nicholson from Six Sales. Today I'm speaking to Mark Goldman from Adelaide. Mark, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Very welcome. Nice to have you here. How's the jet lag? Uh, it's almost over. I think it's going to be done just when I'm in, uh, just in time to leave tomorrow. Ah, that's the worst. I remember that traveling to the US and thinking, oh, I think I'm just getting over this and then jumping back on a plane. Um, well, welcome. Uh, I hope your trip to uh, London has been fruitful. Uh, we're going to talk unsurprisingly uh, about attention today. Uh, we've had a lot of guests on talking about attention over the, over the last years, I would say. Um, I thought just to start with, I'm going to set out my store um, in where I think we are with attention because everyone that's involved in attention looks at it in a different way, right? They have different data, different ways of interpreting that data. And, and so as a starting point, I'm going to tell you what I know currently based on who I've spoken to and then you'll tell me I'm wrong, no doubt. So um, we'll start there. So I think we've got two sets, two broadly speaking, we've got two sets of data. We've got eye tracking panel-based data, um, which I would argue is the most accurate because it uses front-facing cameras and, and the like to see what people do. Um, perhaps not 100% uh, accurate in as much as it's not in the wild, it's like in a panel. So like people are maybe acting in a slightly different way, but probably the most accurate attention data that we can get. And if you're trying to test creatives or formats on certain publishers or something, that seems like the gold standard, if you like. We th and, and that's deterministic. We can see exactly what's happening there. But it doesn't scale very well, and um, the, the internet's quite big. So um, we, uh, we now have um, what I would call probabilistic data, which is, you, know, you could argue, is maybe viewability 2.0. It's a little bit um, measuring lots of on-page actions, putting them together and coming up with a probability of attention rather than a def definitive that that attention was paid by that person. But... I think we have to make our peace with the latter because we can't scale the former. So um, maybe a blend of the two um, is is optimal. So with that in mind, um, what are you, if you were going to sort of set out your store, and I know you've just been to a media event probably doing just that, but if you were going to set out your store where you think attention is in the market at the moment, what would you uh, what would you say? So I think that both of those data sets are really, really important, but there's a third data set that's equally as important, and that's outcomes, right? So at Adelaide, we take a little bit of a different uh, view on, on how to measure attention. Um, we've been through, like, the we've been doing this for about almost a decade now. Nine years ago, we started an ad network called Parsec. We sold media on a cost per second. It worked really, really well, driving lower cost of, incre of incremental outcomes. Clients were really happy. But what happened was when we started to optimize the maximum amount of attention per impression, things started to get a little bit weird, right? What happened was we had an incentive to run the creative that was the most engaging and interesting, but maybe it didn't do the most lift. Maybe it didn't have the most, the most branding on it, right? Um, and then the, the audience optimization got really weird because, because we were looking for the most amount of attention per impression, we ended up skewing towards old people. Um, and we knew that that really wasn't the, the best outcome from an attention platform. So we took a step back and, so, and we, we know that attention is super important. Um, and we decided to think about, like, what is media's role? I mean, we think media's role is to create an opportunity for attention that creative capitalizes on. So if we're talking about an opportunity for attention, you can judge the quality of something based on the probability of attention. So our metric, called the AU, rates the probability of attention by any person to any creative in a placement. We use eye 
tracking data to sort of set up that algorithm um, and, and really learn about like what are the, the characteristics and what are the, the dimensions of a placement that are predictive of attention in, in a lab, like you mentioned that first set of data. Then we bring in data from like JavaScript tags and sort of like uh, the describe the impression, right? So they, that say like, you know, it had, I um, mean, you know, so for, for example, an eye tracking tells us on the web, you need to look for coverage, clutter, position, duration, page velocity, audibility, and about a dozen other metrics. Those are the, those are the signals that are, have been proven to be predictive of attention in an eye tracking lab. So then we gather those signals and we build what we call a really a naive algorithm, right? So we, we use just simple coefficient weights on the signals, and then we run the algorithm and generate what we would call a naive AU. Then we bring in that third set of data, which is the outcome data, and we use that to train the algorithm so that the, those coefficient weights change. We move away from coefficients to much more complicated algorithms, but the point is that the, that the score that's created at the end of this, which is applied to a placement, is a prediction of the probability of attention and the probability of a subsequent outcome. So I, I think that that is sort of like the third wave of attention metrics. The first wave is viewability and, you know, sort of trying to figure out maybe even like duration of, of the ad on screen, mm -hmm. like you can count that. The second one is predicting the duration of eye gaze. And the third one is predicting the probability of attention and the probability of outcomes. Okay. So could you give us an example of um, the last two of those then? So how you link probability of attention with the probability of an outcome like maybe a case study or a, you know like some sort of um, st yeah story that kind of brings that to life for the for the listener yeah definitely so every single client we work with we run them through an ab test that compares the cost of incremental outcomes when they're looking at like business as usual like typically optimizing towards reach and frequency with viewability or sometimes people do video completion rate whatever they want to do normally and to compared to optimizing using au our metric and then we look at the cost of incremental outcomes that comes in the back of that. We see very, very consistently when you use attention metrics instead of using standard operating procedure and like business as usual metrics that we drive more efficient outcomes. And that's, that's really what's important to advertisers because if, if attention isn't proven to be connected to outcomes, it's the ultimate vanity metric. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so is that top of funnel and bottom of funnel outcomes and, and how do they differ? Yeah, it's a great question. So when we started, we wanted to make a fast-moving metric for the top of the funnel, right? There's a lot of, a lot of times advertisers are running a brand lift study and it takes them three months to get the results back. Only half the cells are stat sig. The next campaign's already launched and they're like, what do I, what do, I do with this thing, right? So we wanted to make a, a, a fast-moving metric that was, that was predictive of those results. And that's when we first launched Adelaide. That's what we really focused on proving to advertisers. It worked really, really well. And our clients were really excited and they said, hey, like, I want to see if this thing works at the bottom of the funnel as well. I was scared. I thought the bottom funnel had been all arbed out. There wasn't a lot of opportunity. But it turns out that our data showed that we find tighter correlation a lot of the time at the bottom of the funnel than at the top of the funnel. And that's because the bottom of the funnel is deterministic. When you're able to make that connection between exposure and outcome, like it's a very deterministic connection. Um, and, the, and the top of the funnel has some bias introduced by self-reporting and like people responding, responding to surveys. But in hindsight, th this should have been sort of obvious to us, right? Like we're rating the quality of the placement, the box, right? Not what goes in it or who's looking at it. We sort of think about it as the quality of the connection between the creative and the user. Um, and when you're doing that, it doesn't matter what the outcome is, right? Like all it is is if the creative is trying to get you to vote or trying to get you to show up at a car dealership or trying to get you to buy something online, a, a high quality 
placement will amplify the impact that uh, that creative drives. Yeah, so um, I appreciate there's there's a number of vendors in this space, and you 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 all have a slightly different way of looking at it. So um, I, I, while I want to quote some of them just to sort of sort of get your your take on that, I'm not trying to say um, you know that, that that one's better or worse than the other, but um, one of the other vendors talks about a floor and a ceiling of attention in the box, as you call it, so that the media placement and the platform being the most important predictor of attention and the format, well, the platform and the format essentially together. And then the creative is the multiplier on whether you get something near the floor of potential attention and, and something towards the ceiling. So what are your thoughts on that as a concept? Is that Does your data sort of go along with that? And if so, um, you know, what does that mean to... Uh, creativity in on the online space because i would say the, the podcast that i recorded just before this one we were talking about it as well that sometimes creativity in the online space is almost an afterthought we're so busy optimizing to the perfect audience on the perfect site with you know the perfect this that and the other and then we think oh yeah we better chuck an ad in there i suppose as well yeah so yeah. So, so so quite a lot, a lot going on in that question but <laughs> what are your thoughts yeah so i i think that that yeah, there's definitely a range of attention based on the placement, right? And that's that's true. And you should probably um, sort of think about what creative you should run and what placements and where should you run the, like how quickly do you run the branding? You know, can you run a 30 second ad like the, the one you were describing earlier that like where the, the punchline isn't until 28 seconds into it? Uh, I, yeah, that's interesting, but, but also like, you, you can't use those duration-based metrics to judge the quality of media placements, right? Those are, those are like very broad, sort of this channel versus like, you know, Facebook versus TikTok, and this is the attention range. But like outside of looking at the quality of creative uh, or what creative you should match up with that placement, it's not super useful, right? Because the, you, you end up trying to draw um, comparisons between these different platforms based on those like Per se, on like the duration numbers, but seconds of attention are very different, right? The first second of attention is different than the fourth second of attention. And a second of attention on Facebook is very different than a second of attention on TV. So those, those metrics are well-intentioned, but they're not really rigorously thought through in terms of how they can be used to purchase media more efficiently. So Byron Sharp talked about this, and there was a bit of a, um, a blow-up across the industry, should we say. He was, he was talking about paying for additional attention over and above the initial attention might be a waste. He was, to be fair, he was talking about an out, a piece of outdoor advertising and if it takes me a second to read it, why would I look at it for 10 seconds? And, you know, 100% correct. Yeah. And I think with display, that's right because more or less the brand assets are all on screen at the same time. The message more or less is all on screen at the same time. So maybe half a second um, of attention on Instagram might be enough to remind you that Coke's quite tasty and if you're hot and thirsty, then you might want a Coke. But how does that then transfer into video? You mentioned the the ad. Um, for those listening, I was talking about the Specsavers ad that's on in the UK at the moment, uh, where the delivery driver arrives at a block of flats, the lift's out of order, and he spends 28 seconds trying to get this big box up 10 flights of stairs before he finds out he's in the wrong block um, and then should have gone to Specsavers comes up. It's a brilliant ad, but the brand doesn't come in until I think it's 27 or 28 seconds of the 30. So I totally accept that maybe a, a split second might be enough for Coca-Cola because you already know the brand. You don't need to know much about it. Um, it's like, it's a, it's a, you know, you're warm, you're thirsty. Ah, oh, Coke, great idea. But yeah. 
how does that work with video? Because surely with video, you, you have to have a certain duration of attention in order to get yeah, to the brand, right? Definitely. But I don't think that the placement is what makes you watch the first 28 seconds of the ad, right? Why would you watch until the last 30 seconds? It's because the creative's interesting. Right? The creative is what's driving the duration of attention, not, not the placement. The placement creates an opportunity for attention, right? But it's the creative that, that determines how long you're paying attention to something. Okay. But I mean, I, just to play devil's advocate there, I would say that if you're on a weather site, let's say, and your typical duration of, you know, the, the time that you're, you visit the weather site is 15 seconds because you go in, you type in what you want to know, the city that you want to know the weather for, and then you're out again. Yep. So I would say that that placement probably wouldn't lend itself to a 30 second video, even if it's the best creative in the world. Why not? Why wouldn't you stay looking at the ad on that site if it was engaging? Like it, it's an opportunity. You go mm. to the weather site, the page loads, you're like, oh, that's a really cool ad. And you start looking at it. It has no, like the, the, the fact that it's a weather site or a news site or a sports site has no bearing on how interesting the creative is to you. It's the creative that draws But it's the mindset of what you're doing at that time, right? You're in a doing, I, I want to get something. I want to get it quick. I don't spend a lot of time on the weather site. Um, yeah. I'm not picking on weather sites, travel, same. Like you just, <laughs> I want to know the train times. What's yeah. time's the next train from Certainly. Stonely? Oh, there it is. Okay, and I'm out, you know? Yeah. Whereas... Um, if you're in a um, like a YouTube environment, let's say where you're, you're I'm, I've got 20 minutes to spare and I'm going to watch some videos, or your your it's TV, uh, or mobile gaming uh, is is a is a big one where people spend a, a, a length of time, um, then you can think okay, maybe maybe using the spec savers because it's such a brilliant ad. Maybe that's the bad example. Maybe what if it's a washing powder, and it's a 15 second ad about washing powder. Um, you still want people to watch that ad, right? Yeah, but the, the reality is if, if it's a bad ad, they're not going to make it past two or three seconds. They're going to pick up. Like if, if the placement is like clockwork orange and it's like holding your eyes open and forcing you to watch, sure. But no mm. placements are actually like that in reality. Like even, even a forced duration pre-roll, if, you if you're not interested in the creative, you pick up your phone and you look at something else. It's, it's creative that drives the duration of attention. Okay. So you think the creative is more important than the placement? No, I think that they're both equally important. But I think if we're, if you're if you are if you are falsely ascribing the duration of attention to a placement, then you're just you're making a mistake, right? I think that they're both incredibly important. You can have really great creative in a in a crappy placement, and it probably won't work, right? You need and there's there's a lot of interesting research that people are, are doing to unpack those, like what happens if you do like high quality placements, low quality creative, and vice versa, mm -hmm. and build a build a two by two. So there's a lot of interesting stuff there, but I, ju I just think that like trying to judge the quality of media based on the duration of attention ends up in a really bad place. Like it's it's it's, it's Goddard's law, right? It's it's if you think about your campaigns through the lens of how much attention the success of your campaigns through the lens of how much uh, attention they've gotten, uh, when you look backwards at your campaigns, you'll find the ones that captured the most attention probably did the best. But then if you start optimizing to that to that metric, which inevitably people do, if you give them a metric, they're like, I need to make that metric go up. It's very important, mm -hmm. right? You start optimizing to maximize the amount of attention per impression, you're going to have impacts on demography. You're going to have impacts on pre-existing awareness. And you're going to create some really weird incentives around creative. Yeah. So um, something that I've, I've, I've spoken about on the podcast before is we know when we talk about video advertising, we know how long the video ad is, and so we we understand. Okay, this is thirty seconds, this is fifteen seconds, or, or, or whatever it might be. But we don't often think about display in those terms. We don't think how long does it take to glance at and take the main message out of this ad. 
And now, and when we had viewability, there was probably no reason to do so, but I think now we have attention metrics. Do you think it would be a good idea for us to start thinking about, let, I'm going to make these numbers up because I don't know what, what they would be, but let's just say, I think this, um, the standard IAB formats on desktop is 1.2 seconds, I think, across everything as an average. That's, that's something that um, one of your competitors um, came up with, with um, another one of your competitors, I believe. But um, So let's just say it was 1.2 seconds. Now, do you think we now need to start thinking about how, how long, how can I get my message across in under a second? Yeah, I think that's an interesting, interesting way to use that data, right? But like if the average is 1.2 seconds and then we sent the entire industry through like, how do you make the most interesting, engaging display ads and it went up to 1.5 seconds, like, so what, right? Like it's, yeah. it's an interesting data point. It's like maybe a cool insight, but like, it, it really doesn't matter that much, right? Because a lot of display isn't animated, right? It's just a static image. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a lot of creative best practices that you can that you can learn around attention. I think one of the best ways to influence creative is to hold the quality, or to sorry, the best ways to generate insights around creative is to use attention metrics to hold stable the quality of media, right? So once you once you hold that constant, then you then you know that outcomes were influenced by the creative or not influenced by the creative and that's and that's really the creative that you should be optimizing towards because if if you're out there trying to create the creative that captures the most attention it's going to have the least branding right and it might be salacious right it might have some naked or some scantily clad people in it because that's going to capture the most attention you don't want that right carl's jr ran this experiment in the states they had girls in bikinis eating eating hamburgers like it got a lot of attention didn't work for the brand mm. Looking at the wrong thing, perhaps. Okay, so so that's an interesting way of, of thinking about it from a creative point of view. But do you do you agree that overall the standard of creative online, and I include mobile in that, um, is not perhaps what it should be? And if so, what can the sort of data that you guys are um, uh, coming up with now, as as the industry moves on, how can we use that data to improve? The quality firstly do you think it will improve the quality because it has to and secondly how can you help creatives to figure out what works and what doesn't and you know i take the scantily clad girls eating burgers to one side but how, how do we how can we learn from attention metrics what good creative should look like I, I don't think you can learn. I mean, well, so there's some interesting research that Realize has done where they're trying to figure out if you're paying attention long enough for like the interesting part of the ad or the branded part of the ad. I think that's a, that's an interesting application of attention metrics when it comes to creative, right? So with for the, you know with the the spec savers example, you'd want to make sure that people are paying attention for all 28 seconds on average. Maybe super engaging creative will do that, right? But I think that. In general, the easiest way to learn about creative quality using attention metrics is just to hold constant the quality of the placement. So there's no more arguing. Was it the media's fault that the campaign didn't perform, or was it the creative's fault that the campaign didn't perform? Because you and I both know like that, that is a constant argument when you're talking to agencies. Oh, no, it was the media. Oh, no, it was the creative. When you, when you, under, when you truly understand the quality of media, you can figure out, was it the creative's fault or was it the media's fault? Okay. 
but uh, in terms of the, the individual, I, I guess this is there's other people doing this and maybe it's not in your wheelhouse, but in terms of the individual elements that go into a piece of creative, so make the logo bigger is a funny thing that clients always ask for apparently, and you know, the colors that are used and the characters and um, the emotion and all of those bits and pieces. I, and I know there's other companies that may be more looking at the creative effectiveness, but it seems to me that we, when viewability was the only real metric that we were measuring against, and you put a creative in there, you, there was no real feedback loop. There was no way of knowing if that was a good creative or not necessarily, other than the third metric that you talk about, i.e. outcomes, um, which is great. But um, how, how do we, um, how do we, how do we almost before the creative briefs have already been given, how do we use your data and the, all of the data that's out there that, from an attention point of view that's going to help us choose the right elements to an ad? I don't, I don't think that we can help too much outside of holding the quality of media constant. I don't really think that that's not, it's not really our wheelhouse. Okay. Um, Data-driven creative is tough, and like there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with AI, um, but I think that it should really all be centered around what creative drives the most outcomes. Maybe we should make fewer creatives, right? Maybe we should really focus on making a few very good creatives and not doing constant refreshes, right? I think that's, that's probably one of the insights that I have about creative. One of the very few insights is that brands tend to refresh creative too often, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's other data and research out there from the likes of Mark Ritson that would would attest to that. As a new CMO comes in, wants to change everything, let's change all of the creative, let's have a completely different message, but it's the repetition of an existing, distinctive, yeah. good creative that sort of builds over time. Our audience doesn't care about our, our ads, right? Like, they're not thinking, like, oh, God, I've seen that same Adelaide ad for, like, the past six months. Like, we had we had this really great creative we made called Waldo was viewable, right? And the joke is, like, viewability doesn't really mean anything because Waldo was on the page for minutes, or Wally over here was on the page for minutes at a time, and no one saw him. And we ran the, we ran the campaign. It was super, like, successful. People loved it. And they're like, well, no, it's time to make new creative. We ran that campaign. It was, it was stupid. Like, we should just capture running the stuff that works because the, our audience does not care about our creative nearly as much as we do. No, that's for, that's for sure. I think we could all agree on that. Um, okay, so uh, congratulations. I've just promoted you to CMO of P&G. You're in for the first 90 days. What are we going to do with this attention thing? How, do we, how, how should we be thinking about it? Go. First of all, thank you. Like that, this, <laughs> You're is a, this is a great honor. Um, I am totally underqualified for this job. Um, but I would say the first thing that an advertiser should do is do an audit and look at look at the media they're already buying. Like if if you're using attention in the way that we do, which is to score the quality of placements and just like understanding what's the probability of attention to any creative by any person in a placement, that that the 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 score is static, right? On that placement, every every impression that's emitted should have a similar AU rating in our world. You can use so that means you can use normative data to look backwards and say like what's the quality of the media that my agency has been buying for me? How have I been doing relative to benchmarks? So I think that's the first thing that, that I would do as a CMO of a, of a major CPG. The second thing I would do is just run a, a, a live A-B test, right? 
run half of my, run, run a split, run half of my media towards my standard operating procedure, business as usual, and then half towards AU, and then measure incremental outcomes off the back of that. Prove that AU works, right? We make all of our clients do this. And then from there, you can build confidence in this new metric, and then you can go out into the market, you can start using it in programmatic and optimizing your campaigns, you can start using it just in conversations with publishers and being like, listen, this is the way that I'm gonna hold you accountable. It's not viewability, it's not video completion rate, but it's a metric that is a much better proxy for the quality of the, of the, the good that you're delivering me. Mm. And most publishers are happy for them, happy with this, right? Most publishers know that the metrics that are being used today don't offer uh, don't don't offer scores that are commensurate with the real value that they're providing to advertisers. Okay. So it, the 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 PNG example, a lot of my campaigns might be brands. They might not be an outcome in terms of somebody's buying off the page. They're going to go into Tesco's, and next time they're there, they're going to they're going to pick up and stuff. But I know you have the top of funnel outcomes that you can measure against as well. Um, it feels to me that, and I know I keep coming back to it, but it feels to me that creative need to um, be held a lot more accountable. And when I say creative, just whoever's involved in creating the creative. Mm -hmm. Because um, let's say we run some eye tracking, um, we do some panel-based eye tracking, and we look at all of the major news sites in the world, and this particular site seems to not be doing so well. They're being based on whatever creative ran in there, right? And they don't very rarely does a publisher have any sort of sway or um, influence over the, the creative that's being used. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even Google, I think, say that the creative is like the biggest differentiator in, in you know, in performance. But I think I don't know if you accept. I'm not sure that you actually you might dodge the question. But do you think that the um, the standard of creative is high? Uh, in digital, I would say it probably isn't. If you look at what what is done in, in other mediums, it seems to that the creative is. I mean, if you take TV, let's say for example, the creative is almost the the cornerstone of the whole thing, right? And then yeah. then we buy it like from there. Whereas it's the complete opposite way around in online. It's like we're going to spend ages in the algorithms and finding the right audience and all the rest of it. Oh yeah, then we'll we'll, we'll throw an ad in at the end there. And and if that's the case, then we're a we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, and B, it's not really fair on publishers that are getting a bad AU score, let's say, because the creative's crap. Yeah, well, that's why we don't use duration in AU, right? Because, it, listen, if we want to make attention into a currency that's going to replace viewability, we can't use duration, right? Because duration is driven by audience and creative, and there's no publisher in their right mind who's going to take responsibility for the quality of your creative. So like, I, I think that full stop, there's no way that a duration-based attention metric, or we call them DBAMs, there's no way that a duration-based attention metric could ever become a media currency, right? Um, and yes, I am dodging your question about the quality yeah. of creative. Like, I don't, I'm not passing judgment on creative. Sure, right? okay. Like, I, I do think that maybe it, in TV the creative is better because the media is more homogenous, right? Like, in, in TV, you know if a campaign works or doesn't work, it's probably because of the creative and not because of the media because TV placements are pretty uniform. Now, gr granted, there's this whole equitable rotation thing on TV between different slots in a pod position, which I think is a, is a pretty bad idea and is reflective of people missing the boat on quality. Still, TV is way more uniform than display or, or most other mediums. Okay. And, and I guess my final question or thought is, for this to be adopted for attention, let's say, um, whatever that means, because obviously everyone has a slightly different view on it, which is kind of my point, um, for that to be adopted as the next viewability, 
um, or the, the, the next evolution of the next metric, shall we say. Um, we need to have some sort of consensus, right? But, but in the market, I mean, yourself, and I'm going to name the other people, and like, hopefully you won't melt, but you know, like the Lumen will have a slightly different view, and Amplified Intelligence will have a different view. Yeah. And with the probabilistic data, nearly everyone now has attention metrics, right? But everyone kind of has a slightly different view. And now, how do we get to a point where someone like the IAB um, or you know, just goes, right, this is what attention is, this is what it means, this is how it should be planned, bought, measured. How, how do we get to that when everyone's saying something different, would you say? Yeah. I don't know that it's a, that we'll ever come up with a standard for measuring attention. Um, we can come up with a standard definition of attention, which is like people choosing to focus on something. I'm not, I'm not an academic. I don't purport to be one, and I don't know what the, the technical definition of attention is. Um, but maybe we can come up with that, and like the IB can can put a stamp on that. But I, I really think that the the whole industry is moving in much in a in an evidence based direction, right? The whole industry is moving in this place where everything is being more and more things are being held accountable to outcomes, and and metrics should be as well. So there's two ways to create currencies. The first way is via fiat or mandate, right? Which is an industry organization, you know. It says like, oh, it's like 50% for one second, and that's good enough, and guess what happens? Before everybody leaves the room, the publishers are trying to figure out how can I game that metric and deliver the lowest quality asset that, 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 that crosses that hurdle, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first way. I don't, I don't think that we should do that again. The, the, the second way to create stable currencies, or the, the second way to create currencies, which I believe is, more, is a lot more stable and durable, is through arbitrage. And, and the arbitrage-driven currencies start with buyers having new data, right? And you basically, more and more buyers will have a new attention metric, and they should test it out, and they should see which one works best for them, right? It should really just be a thousand, you know, flowers of, of attention metrics bloom, and the best one wins, right? Advertisers should test them out and use the use the one that's most correlated to their outcomes and the one that drives the best incremental performance, right? We, and we think that's us, right? We think that advertisers should use our data to run to do arbitrage. And the way that works is they bid up high quality assets and they bid down low quality assets. For a little while, there's a lot of, of uh, spread between the price and, and true value, right? And some people will call that alpha, but as more and more advertisers have access to this new data, this new attention data, that, that sort of spread compresses, right? Because you have more people bidding on the good stuff, fewer people bidding on the bad stuff, and then price starts to approach value. And, what, and then what happens is buyers say, hey, you know, I don't want to do this arbitrage anymore. I'm not like, like brand marketers are not in the business of like running optimization and like like being like investors and trying to drive you know, like more outcomes from the same spend they want to they want to spend something and get consistent outcomes they miss grps right so this means they will take this new metric and they'll go to publisher and say hey instead of guaranteeing me this campaign based on viewability or just raw impressions would you guarantee me the quality of the thing that you're selling me based on this new attention metric that i'd like to use and then it's a, that's a de facto currency right and that's a market driven like much more stable and it has much more longevity I think that's a great place to end. A thousand attention flowers bloom, and the, the one that works the best wins. Yeah, hopefully. That sounds fair to me. Natural selection. Absolutely. Mark, thank you so much. Um, great to meet you finally. We've tried to meet so many times at various different events and haven't managed it. And of all places, London is the place that we actually get to meet. So uh, thank you so much for being on the Six Souls podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike.